In this episode of The Spiritual Life, the last one, I'm going to ask St. Peter Julian Amart, I think that's how you pronounce it, does Jesus need us? And he's going to answer. We're also going to see a saint that died of joy. And, and that happened just one in one thing that she did. And also we will speak about the one thing that we could do, that if we were very, very well prepared and disposed, one time of doing it would suffice to make us holy. You've guessed it. This is the last episode of The Spiritual Life on the Most Holy Eucharist. You are listening to The Catholic Wire. friends and welcome to another episode of the spiritual life this is going to be the last one for this season but it deals with the topic that is the most important actually the center of all the topics in the spiritual life which is obviously our lord jesus christ particularly present in the most holy sacrament in the eucharist the most holy eucharist now this topic my dear friends uh, and, and this aspect of spirituality i would say is one that is greatly neglected um However, if we start improving our spiritual life, this is going to be both the means to improve our spiritual life, to get closer to our Lord, to receive Him more frequently, to gather strength from His presence. And it's also going to be the end of our life, of our spiritual life. As, as, as we become holier and, and better and closer to God, we will be drawn, you know, like a flower to honey, like a bee to honey, uh, to our Lord, to our, blessed, to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Now, I say that this aspect of spirituality is neglected. I don't mean to say by the church or by the saints, not at all, uh, is neglected by us. And as I often say, or I've said a couple times, you know, these episodes are going to be good for me too, because I need to improve myself in these regards. Uh, we all, I think, need to improve ourselves in devotion to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. As a matter of fact, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, in his sequence on the Feast of the Blessed Sacrament, nothing that we do will be enough. <laughs> you know, no, no care, no effort that we do in being devoted to the Blessed Sacrament will ever be enough because we're talking about being devoted to God himself. But you see this neglect, you know, in that you don't see many people doing visits to the Blessed Sacrament. That's also because of our times right now. Uh, you don't see people spending prolonged time with our Lord. Uh, you don't see people that are particularly moved by devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying that no one is. What I'm saying is we should see a lot of it more, a lot more of it. Even those who make visits or who come, for example, to nocturnal adoration or things like that, you will often see them reading a book, you know, engaging in some other activity. Rarely do you see them, you know, looking at our Lord, talking to Him, praying mentally towards Him. Now, I'm not saying that any of these things are to blame. That is great. It's great that you do that. What I'm saying is that you can see that sometimes it's difficult for the faithful to gather as much strength, to, gather, to get as much devotion as they can have towards the Holy Eucharist. And that is the first thing that I want to mention. Why is it that we don't have this devotion more? Why is it hard for some people, for some of the faithful, sometimes for all of us, to exercise this devotion? Let's get into that. So why do we often fail in devotion to the Blessed Sacrament? I'm going to give you three reasons, and let's go with the first one. I think this is actually the main one. You might not like it because it's very broad, and the solution of it requires very broad efforts, but here it goes. It's part of what we mentioned in the first episodes. It's a lack of recollection. That is the first one. I mean to say, we lack this devotion to our Lord because we are still very much involved in the world 
and our mind is used too much to the externals, to noise, to being unsettled. Um, there's a reason why I put this episode, the one regarding this, at the beginning of the season. In order to come to appreciate our Lord and to understand Him and to be able to relate to Him and connect with Him, I would say, we need to have some sort of a spiritual and mental maturity. And this maturity, we reach it through concentration, through prayer, through giving away the vanities, the amusements of the world, at least to a certain extent. I like to think of this uh, with this example. Imagine our mind and our soul, when we're so used to the world and to distractions from the world, it's like a six-year-old, you know, like a little toddler. You know those toddlers that have a lot of energy and are running back and forth here and there and, and, and they take a toy and then they throw the toy away and they go to another toy and you never get them to settle on something. And that's how our mind is. Because we're spiritually, spiritually, excuse me, and mentally immature, you could say. We go from one place to another in our mind. We never think, we never take things too seriously. Um, you know, we never settle on something. We never focus on something. We're very little capable of gathering ourselves and focusing our interests and our energies and quieting ourselves to put ourselves into prayer with God. Because we lack this maturity. To pray and to adore the Holy Eucharist is sometimes very difficult to us. The good news about it is, the more proficient that you become in your mental prayer, in your recollection, in the penances that you do, whatever, all these things that we've been mentioning, the more than you do them and you practice them, the more at ease you will find yourself with God. Into this one aspect, I want to mention other two, which are kind of the same. Because of our lack of recollection, we also have the difficulty to keep silent. You know, that's one of the things that, for those of us who are perhaps attached to the world, this is one of the things that we find the most difficult, to just remain silent, not say anything, don't hear anything. And that is something that is, it's kind of essential when you're visiting our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, when you really want to get to know Him and connect with Him. And it comes from this lack of recollection. The other thing that also I include into this would be the lack of knowledge of our Lord. Because we do little meditation or nothing at all, because we don't read the Gospels, our concept and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ is many times rather obscure and vague and sometimes not real at all. Sometimes we make an idea of ourselves, or rather we make an idea of our Lord that is very much mirrored on ourselves and I kind of put in our Lord my temperament and my character because I've never read of him, I've never read the Gospels, I've never come to meditate. And because I don't know him, it is sometimes hard for me to come to the Blessed Sacrament and, and I've been in my spiritual life, you know, I'm not a big deal, but I know that I've been through my ups and downs. And I've noticed this, how at times when I'm cold and I'm tepid, I'll kneel in front of the Blessed Sacrament and it's almost like you're kneeling in front of someone that you know very little. And if you're being fervent and you're doing everything as you're supposed to be doing it, you can kneel in front of the Blessed Sacrament and it's a friend and you know who you're talking to. So this is another thing. I would say that the second reason is also sort of mentioned already, but uh, I'm going to call it a spiritual shyness, to be shy spiritually. And by this I, meant, I mean that we have grown accustomed to not see ourselves in a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we kneel at the back pew in the church, we pray with memorized prayers, prayers alone, and we feel too unworthy to be loved by our Lord or for Him to care about us. And we always see Him kind of like a judge or a boss or, you know, someone that I'm answerable to. But no, on the contrary, we should see our Lord as my father, as my friend, as someone that loves me. I should come close to Him. I should speak to Him from my heart. I need to acknowledge that I am greatly loved. And that he expects me to love him back because of that. Because he loves me so much, there needs to be a corresponding love. 
But one of the obstacles, again, is this, that I have this spiritual, uh, I don't know if shyness is a word, but I'm shy spiritually and I forget or I don't have present that there is a personal relationship between our Lord and me. And the third point that I will mention very briefly, the third obstacle to our relationship with the Blessed Sacrament is, simply put, lack of grace. That I am unfaithful to my duties, that I am unfaithful to my prayers, my readings, my penances, and because of that there is little grace. And then, because I don't have many grace, many graces, I should say, uh, well, when I come to the Blessed Sacrament, I am lacking that devotion and prayer and charity, which is most important. I don't want to focus a lot on the obstacles. Today, we have to talk about what it means to us, the Blessed Sacrament, and how we can come to love Him more and receive Him better. But before, before we go into that, let's go to our quote of the saints. might have noticed a lot of bloopers and you know I'm tripping with my tongue here and uh, I have to say that it is because I'm recording quite late I was supposed to start recording in the morning and for many reasons I couldn't I will disclose these reasons in the final episode of the season but if uh, if that happens if my tongue is not doing its job that's the reason why it's because it's a little bit late not as late as usual though it's just like around 5:30. okay our quote from the saints for today this is from Peter Julian Amart, or Amart. He says, How kind is our sacramental Jesus. He welcomes you at any hour of the day or night. His love never knows rest. He is always most gentle towards you. When you visit him, he forgets your sins and speaks only of his joy, his tenderness, and his love. By the reception he gives to you, one would think he has need of you to make him happy. This was what got me from this quote. You know, all, all the other things is what I've been mentioning, that we should see our Lord as benign, as good, as someone that loves us. But what really got me of this quote was uh, those last words. You would think that he has need of you to make him happy because of how good a reception he makes of to you. Obviously, we know that our Lord doesn't need anyone to be happy. Our Lord is God. He doesn't need anybody. However, our Lord Jesus Christ is also man. And it would seem that he loves us so much. It would seem that he cares about us so much. That it really you really would think that he needs us to be happy. Again, I'm not saying that's the case. But the care and the loving tenderness that he has is so much that it would really seem that. And this should bring us to think of, you know, how often do I think of him? You know, how often do I visit him? Uh, how much is he a part of my life? As I will mention in the last part of the episode, we could be visiting him and we don't, even spiritually. We'll talk about that. But today, that was our quote for the from the saints. St. Peter Julian Amart was a saint that was devoted to the Most Holy Eucharist. That was his whole life, and he has some beautiful books about it, which I definitely would recommend. I haven't read a lot of them, actually. I need to read some more. But um, I know that they are very good works from what I've heard. And I hope I can read some as soon as I can. Okay, let's go now to the next point that we need to cover, and that is, what is the influence of the Blessed Sacrament in our spiritual life? I think here it is important for us to discuss some theological aspects about the Blessed Sacrament so that we can understand uh, its importance in our spiritual welfare. You know, how, the, how does it affect us, what is its influence, or his influence, I should say, on us. And so I want to tell you several points. The first one is going to be this. The Blessed Sacrament stands above anything else in our spiritual practices and devotions and anything else. Because he is the source of grace. What do I mean by that? First, let's kind of go back a little bit and speak about what grace is. I'm not going to go into the theological definitions and all that. Let's just say grace is sort of our connection with God. It is our sharing in God's sanctity and goodness. Right? So the more grace that I have, the holier I will be, the better that I will be, 
not separately from God, but in God. You know, because of God, is God working through me? So I want to have grace, obviously. I want to have as much as possible. Now, all the other spiritual practices that we do, penance, praying the rosary, um, good books and reading, all of these things are uh, things that prompt God to give us more grace. We are disposing our souls to receive grace from God. But it's not the book itself that gives me grace. It's not the penance that I'm giving myself that gives me grace. It's things that I do to dispose myself to receive that grace. The Blessed Sacrament is entirely different because here I'm going straight to the source. Whatever you do with the Blessed Sacrament, a visit, a communion, assisting Mass, you're going to the very fountain of grace. This is not, you're not going indirectly, it's right there. And what that means is that every time that you come to Him, every single time, you will come out with more grace, with more goodness, with more sanctity, as long as you don't put any obstacles to it. Our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament is also our spiritual food. Now, He Himself said this very clearly in the Eucharistic Sermon, which, of course, you have to read uh, that He gave. And this is in the Gospel of St. John, or according to St. John, I should say, Chapter 6, he says, My flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. From the fact that our Lord is our spiritual food in the Blessed Sacrament, it follows that through that contact with Him, through that union with Him, the same things that happen with food and our body will happen with our Lord and our souls, our spiritual life. Our spiritual life is maintained, it is increased, and it is repaired. What do I mean by maintained? It means that when you're going to communion, you are supporting your spiritual life, keeping it alive, removing yourself in that way from sin, and persevering in your good works. In the same way that food keeps you away from sickness, and it keeps you working and, and living and doing everything that you need to know. It also increases our spiritual life. That means to say, not only am I maintaining my spiritual life, I'm also able to now try to do harder things, to try to increase my acts of virtue, or move from a virtue that is less perfect to one that is more perfect. And most importantly, I am increasing in love, in love for my neighbor and in love for God. And the third thing that I mentioned is repaired. What that means is that when I go to communion, my venial sins, you know, the, the faults that I had, all those things are forgiven. And not only that, the damage that they cause to the soul is repaired. As long as I'm sorry for them, obviously, as long as I have a purpose of amendment as well. Now, this, this effects that our Lord has on us. This is, I warn, this is my personal opinion. I'm sure it's there somewhere. I've never read it, though. I think it applies also to any contact that we have with our Lord with prayer and adoration. So it's not only when we go to communion, but for example, when you go and visit the Blessed Sacrament, if you're doing it prayerfully and devoutly, I believe that these effects are also, to some extent, coming to your soul. Not the same extent that it would be if you're receiving our Lord sacramentally. But certainly there is some of those effects. And the last point that I would say is that our Lord... The union with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament is kind of a gateway to our union with the Most Holy Trinity. This one is huge. This is like major leagues over here, and it's something that most of us have never even thought of, but it's incredibly important. In the Blessed Sacrament, as we know, there are the body, the blood, the soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That means to say that when we come to Him, to the Blessed Sacrament, we are uniting ourselves with our Lord. What I'm saying here is that this union also brings us to the Most Holy Trinity. The reason for that is very simple. Our Lord Jesus Christ is never separated from His Father, nor from the Holy Ghost. We could go into big theological explanations for this, but let's just suffice it to say that, that when we're united with our Lord in the Eucharist, because he's also united to the other two persons of the Most Holy Trinity, we also come in close union with the Most Holy Trinity through our Lord. 
and by our Lord. This is a topic that might demand from you more credence than just my own words. And so just to give you a little bit of a, of a reference here, let us listen to what Tankery says in The Spiritual Life. He says, quote, As we are then physically united to the incarnate word, the three divine persons also are, through him and by him, united to us. And they love us now, as they love the word made flesh whose members we are. I was saying this is a very important point because this is actually the whole goal, the whole climax of the spiritual life is our union with God. And as you can see, it's something that is very, very accessible to us through our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. Why don't we see it? Because as I've mentioned often, the effects of that in our soul you know, how much we get is going to depend a lot on our dispositions. And so, we should talk about our dispositions next. But before, let's go into our stories of the saints, which is actually going to be quite a great illustration of how one should be disposed before receiving the Blessed Sacrament. Today, for our story of the saints, I want to tell you the story of Imelda Lambertini, which is you know, one of the classic stories about the Holy Eucharist. Imelda was born of a noble family in Bologna, Bologna, I suppose you say, Italy, in 1322. Now, her parents raised her to be a, to be a very good young Catholic girl. She loved her faith. Uh, she started having a great love for prayer, especially for going to Mass. She would go to Mass, even she would ask to go to Mass by herself. And she would also want to go to the night prayers at the church, what was... Compline. Now, she was so pious that even she, she would even cook and sew, you know, clothing for the poor people. And, and little by little, she got more and more devoted. It came to a point when she was nine years old that she actually came to her parents and she asked for permission to go live with the Dominican nuns. This was uh, not, not very common, but it was something that did happen repeatedly back then. And it, it didn't mean that the children would become nuns or monks, but it was just that they would go there, they would be taken care of, they would be educated, and sharing the common life of the religious, you know, pray with them, go to Mass with them, all these things. Even though it was a difficult decision, her parents kind of saw that she was very saintly, that she seemed to be well disposed, and that there were good reasons for it, and they allowed it to happen. Of course, she would be free to come back home at any time. Now, Imelda then came to, to the convent, and in the convent she would see the nuns every now and then go to communion, but obviously she wasn't able to go to communion. Remember that at, at that time, to go to communion was rare, not only for children, for children it was not even uh, an option, but even for normal people, for religious, you would only go to communion on certain feast days. Imelda, she was very loving of our Lord, and she had a great devotion, and she wanted to go to communion. And she went to the sisters and she would be like, sisters, I want to go to communion. Can I please go to communion? And obviously the sisters would say, you're too young. You know, they would just dismiss her. And, and for a time it seemed that she was okay, that she didn't insist anymore. And Imelda would go and pray to the saints who were her, her secret friends, as she would call them. And she little by little would start loving our Lord more. She would go and kneel by the chapel and talk to him. And she started having many private conversations with our Lord. And she felt that she had that beautiful friendship with our Lord Jesus Christ, which obviously only contributed to make her desire communion even more and more. She hadn't said anything for a while, so the sisters were like, okay, we're done. She is not insisting with that anymore. You know, all this uh, childish thing that she had of going to communion with the grown-ups, it's gone. But then the Feast of the Ascension was approaching and she came again and insisted with the sisters. Can I go to communion? I shouldn't say insisted. It was more like begging. She was really begging very, very strongly to go to communion. And the sisters were actually a little bit surprised. And, and they didn't know what to do because they could see that there was something serious in there. So they went to the chaplain and they asked, should we give her communion? And the chaplain said, no, no way. She's too young. We never do that. She has to grow up. And so the Feast of Ascension came and Imelda's 
kneeling in the back of the church, I'm sure looking at every single sister that would go, probably one by one, most of the times they would go one by one to receive communion, as she couldn't go, probably dying a little bit inside. The Mass is over, one of the sisters is fixing the altar, you know, putting it, putting it all away, and then she looks back, and she sees that Imelda is kneeling, and there is a light in front of her, and in that light, there is a host floating. She's not going to touch it, she's not going to receive it without permission, but she's just kneeling there looking at the host. The sister sees that, and she goes and tells the sisters, and they tell the chaplain, and obviously, everybody understands this is our Lord saying, yes, you should give me to her, she should receive her communion. So the priest came over, he took the host and gave, her, gave it to Imelda, gave him to Imelda, and she received in that moment her first communion. Everybody was, of course, uh, inspired and, and excited about what was happening, and the sisters went all to prepare the breakfast, and the mother superior gave to Imelda permission to stay there, giving, you know, making her thanksgiving, which we will speak about. And then she says, sends one of the sisters, can you go and get Imelda so she can come and have breakfast with us? The sister comes, and Imelda is still kneeling, and she has a smile on her face, but as she calls her, she won't answer. And then she comes and realizes Imelda passed away. She passed away of joy. She died of joy at the moment that she received our Lord. And she went, we can presume, straight from that communion, straight to heaven for the great dispositions that she had, for how much she had desired our Lord. That is our story of the saints for today. And to finish, well, not to finish, but to continue with our episode, let's talk about those dispositions that we can have to go to communion as best as possible. Well, if we want to get all those graces that are locked inside the most blessed sacrament, we have to be very well disposed when we go to communion. So let's talk about those dispositions that we need to have. And this, I am getting it from the Catechism of St. Pius X, which seems to me the most complete in these regards. It's very brief, very simple, but it only makes sense that being the Eucharistic Pope, Pius X, who he was, that the Catechism made under his supervision would be uh, very exact in the things that are concerning the sacrament. So it says, quote, Preparation before communion consists in meditating for some time on whom we are about to receive and on who we are and in making acts of faith, hope, charity, contrition, adoration, humility and desire to receive our Lord Jesus Christ. So here they're giving us a bunch of steps, if you notice. Uh, some of them we can summarize into just one. So let's cover each one of them to see how we ought to dispose ourselves to good communion as best as possible. The first one is, actually this is not mentioned there, but I, I'm adding this one. The first one would be to fulfill our spiritual duties as best as possible. All the things that I've mentioned in the previous episodes. The more that we're being faithful to our spiritual practices, the more that we know our Lord Jesus Christ, the better disposed we are. The spiritual life is an integral thing. We can't just take one thing and then drop the other. It's like, as, as I said in another episode, it's like a boat. A boat, you can't, you can't have a boat and be missing one board, one plank, it'll sink. The spiritual life is a whole. So the first preparation that we can have for communion is to be doing everything that we need to do or strive to do it as best as we can. Now let's go to the things that Pius X mentions or the Catechism mentions. I would say um, we need to come to Mass and we need to assist Mass with the awareness of who our Lord Jesus Christ is and that He's present in the Blessed Sacrament. Don't come to Mass just with a, you know, for, for a custom automatically. No, you come to Mass aware of the fact that it's the sacrifice of the cross, that it's also a repetition of the Last Supper, that uh, with the sacrifice of the cross, and that our Lord Jesus Christ is present there. The same Jesus Christ that ascended to heaven, the same Jesus Christ that died on the cross, the same Jesus Christ that was born in the manger. So we have to have that awareness of who he is and where he is. That's the first thing that they mention. The second one is who we are. What does that mean? That means that I need to think, okay, that's our Lord Jesus Christ, that's God. 
I am a little thing. I am nothing. I am sinful. I am unworthy. And this includes what they were mentioning in there, to make an act of, contr of contrition, to be sorry for my sins, think of how much I have offended him. To make an act of humility, think I'm not worthy to be here, I don't deserve to be here, much less to receive him. Think of who we are. They say you have to make an act of faith. Now, as I always say, this doesn't mean to recite the prayer. It means that I have to believe firmly that the Blessed Sacrament is there. You know, I have to think, okay, the, in the host that I'm going to receive, there is our Lord Jesus Christ. There is the most holy trinity, as I mentioned ab above. You know, God is there present. In the host is present our Lord Jesus Christ. And because he's there, the most holy trinity also comes into my soul. It can be an act of faith in the presence of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. It can also be an act of faith in general, just exercising the theological virtue of faith. Believing in the church, believing in, in all the things that are in the Apostles' Creed, but exercising that virtue. And that's always going to be good for my preparation. From there comes the act of hope. Now that I believe that Jesus Christ is there, and I believe that I'm going to be coming close and united also to the Most Holy Trinity through Him, well then I think now of the goodness of God, the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ, all the goods that come to me from him, you know, the goods of grace, the, the actual graces, the strength that he gives me in this life, and the goods of glory, the reward that he's promising to me to, be, to have eternal life, to be with him forever, to enjoy of all the beautiful things in heaven, and all the beautiful people, all the beautiful saints in heaven, and the angels. And I have to believe that he really wants to give me those things. He's really promising me those things. And because of that, I desire Him greatly. At first, for that reason, for all the things that I hope of Him. But then, I also desire Him because of who He is. Because of how good He is. Because of His love. And in that way, from my act of faith, I came to my act of hope. And now I come to my act of charity. Meaning, my act of love. And to understand charity this act of charity that you do while, while you're in Mass and the Blessed Sacrament is perhaps already there and you're thinking of all these things, the act of charity is, you could say, an act of preference. When you say to your will, okay, here, I decide to love Him above all other things. I'm going to prefer our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, our Lord, above anything. I give myself entirely to Him. I love Him. I am His I renounce myself entirely for Him, to be with Him. And as you're growing in this act of charity, this brings you to the higher one, which is the act of adoration. Adoration is supreme love. To adore is to love something above everything and anything else. It is to recognize our Lord Jesus Christ as my God and therefore as my all, as all my interest, as all my affection. He is my beginning. He is where I came from. He is my reason to be. He is my reason to exist. And He's also my end. That's where I'm going to. That's what I want to get at the end of my life. When you adore our Lord Jesus Christ in the Most Holy Eucharist and you see Him as your God, then you are supremely surrendering your being you know, who you are intellectually and willfully, your, your volition. You just surrender yourself physically and spiritually. Everything is given for His service. Everything is given for His love. Everything is given for His sake and glory. And so with this act, you prepare yourself to receive communion as best as possible. Now here I'm not mentioning the most basic stuff because again that pertains to the catechism section. What I'm saying here are the things that those who know their catechism and who want to strive for the spiritual life can use these things to try to get as, uh, as best, uh, the most that they can from the Most Holy Sacrament to try to improve their spiritual life through the proper reception of the Most Blessed Sacrament. Now let's go to our next section, which would be, how do we do our thanksgiving? When it comes to thanksgiving, this is one of the ones that perhaps uh, we strive with the most 
Uh, I remember seeing this shirt. It was kind of funny, or I don't know what you call them, a meme, um, where it said, um, you see the picture of Judas leaving from the Last Supper, and then it says, Judas, the first person to leave the Mass early. And I thought that was really great. Uh, and it's true, you know, a lot of times uh, we're used, and I think it's because a lot of times we're not told, uh, we're used to going to Mass, receiving communion, the Mass is over, and book it out. Which is a, not a very good thing to do, because our Lord is present in your body, He's present still there at least for 15 minutes after communion, that's the most common opinion. And so you're wasting that time. You know, you're wasting the time when our Lord is actually physically present in you, when you could be talking to him and taking advantage of that. And you're wasting the time by living and just going back to your daily life right away. However, I do understand that some people, you know, many people work or they have some chores that forbid them to spend as much time as they would. You know, maybe they would like to stay longer, but they just can't. And because this is a real issue, I will say... If it is possible to spend more time in Thanksgiving, you should definitely try to do it. You know, at the very least, you should do 15 minutes after communion. 30 or 45 minutes would be the ideal if you're serious about your spiritual life. Not everyone has this time, unfortunately. And if that is so, in order to gain those graces, try to supply for the lack of time in one way or another. For example, if right after Mass you have to go, We'll try to go and stay recollected and maybe keep praying during that time, you know, while you're driving work or something. Or if you don't have the time, maybe later during the day, try to make a spiritual communion and renew those things and try to supply for the things that were lacking in your first time for Thanksgiving. At any rate, you know, having given all those advices, let's look at what the Catechism of St. Pius X tells us. Quote, Thanksgiving after communion consists in keeping ourselves recollected in order to honor the Lord who is within us, renewing our acts of faith, hope, charity, of adoration, of thanksgiving, of offerings, and of requests, especially for those graces which are most necessary for ourselves and for those for whom we are bound to pray. Most of these things I've explained them above, and so what they're telling us is the same things that you did for preparation, now you do them for thanksgiving. But now, instead of believing that our Lord Jesus Christ is present in the Blessed Sacrament, I believe that he's present in me. And now my hopes are much more reaffirmed because he's here and he's promising me all those things. And now my charity again comes here to know that he's here with me and I want to stay united with him. So he's renewing all those acts. But for the thanksgiving... Uh, we should mention also the same purpose, the same full for purpose that there is in Mass. Because you can spend your thanksgiving giving in adoration, in thanksgiving, in impetration, and in reparation. Those are the four things that you can do also during Mass. Adoration. What does that mean? Well, you have our Lord and you recognize that He's God and He's within you and that you are His creature. And as I said before, you give yourself entirely to Him, you adore Him, you put yourself at His surface. You praise Him too. Thanksgiving, that is a very important one that for some reason we find difficult to do sometimes. Give thanks to God for coming to you, give thanks to God for His love, for giving you eyes, health, you know, for making, giving you a big, making you able to come to Mass, uh, for giving you your Catholic faith for giving you the true sacraments, all those things. The thanksgiving is something that should prompt you to love God more. Don't just say the words. Like, say it from your heart, like, like thank you, like, I really love you, and I really appreciate what you have done for me. And I want you to know that I appreciate what you have done for me. Not just words. Do it. Feel it. Make it real. Impetration, I should say, or, or requests, we could say, is to ask our Lord for the things that we need, and not only us, and not only the people near us, but even for the whole world. Here I have to say, make your requests generous, abundant. You know, ask for the things that the Sacred Heart of Jesus would ask. 
You know, some people go to communion and I've heard people telling me, well, I went to communion and I asked, you know, that my dog gets healed and things like that. That's that's great. Nothing wrong with that. Our Lord loves you and he wants to help you with what you need. But I mean, for Pete's sake, as they say, I hope that's not a bad word, uh, ask for the whole world. Ask for the conversion of sinners. Ask for the removal of heresy, for the freedom of the church, for the salvation of the people that are dying on that day, the perseverance of priests, the perseverance of religious, of sisters, their sanctification, your own. Ask for your country, for the removal of evil people in your country or their conversion. I should say for their conversion. Uh, ask for all those things. I mean, you have God within you. God is there. Don't measure yourself. He'll know what he gives you. You just go ahead and ask. And lastly, reparation or atonement. And here also, don't limit yourself. Yes, ask forgiveness for your sins and for those of your family and your children and who else, whoever else, but also ask, uh, do reparation for the whole world. Tell Jesus I'm sorry for all the sins of my country, of my city, of this whole nation, of the clergy, of the church, well, not the church, but of the people in the church, of the whole world. I want to console you for that. I want to show you that I love you. I want you to feel better from those things. Be simple. You don't have to be like a whole theologian. But you see what I mean? Make those intentions as global, as worldwide as possible. So that would be a good way to do your thanksgiving. Now, before we go to the last point, let's get our quote from Scripture. For our quote of Scripture for today, of course, I had to take this one. There are many, actually, that would be very good. But I had to take this one. Our Lord was in the Last Supper, and right before He began, He said to His apostles, With desire... I have desired to eat this pasch with you before I suffer. In Latin, you read desiderio desideravi. Desiderio desiderave oc pasca manducare boviscum. I don't have the Latin, so I, I was trying to get it from my head. This is all in, in Luke chapter 22, verse 15. And it's, these words are beautiful. Uh, you have to understand them well. The construction with desire I have desired, or in Latin, desiderio desideravi, it was a common uh, form of speaking among the Hebrews. And it was, it was a superlative, superlative, I think you say superlative. It was a way to say something is very, very great, like the Song of Songs. Whenever in the Hebrew language you would use a, a duplication of terms, it meant to say this is the greatest of things. So the Song of Songs mean, means to say, this is the greatest song. So when our Lord said in Hebrew, or in Aramaic, as, as he was speaking, when he said, desiderio desideravi, with great desire I have desired, he me it, meant, it meant to say in that language, with the utmost, the greatest desire that I have ever had, I have desired to do this with you. This is the thing that I've desired the most which is a mind-numbly thing. I mean, I don't speak English. It's a huge thing when you think about it. You know, a beautiful thing. The thing that our Lord says, this is the thing that I've desired the most. Not my ascension. Not my glorification even. I'm sure he did desire those things too. But he didn't say that of those. Desiderio desideravi. This part where I give myself to you, where I leave you the Mass, where I leave you the Blessed Sacrament. So that is what it, those words mean. Uh, here there's something that maybe we can consider as well, and it is that our Lord, as I said before, He had a human heart. You know, God doesn't change. God doesn't need anything. God has no variations. Our Lord Jesus Christ was both God but he was, and men. He was both God and men. And as a man, 
He had a human heart. He had human yearnings. He desired. He wanted things. And so you can see in there both the love that he had and, and his desire to be with us, but also his frustrations, his pains, in our lack of fervor, in our coldness, in our lack of understanding and appreciation for this great gift that was putting himself in there for us. And so you can see this from these words. But also, something that comes up in here is the connection between the Eucharist and the sacrifice of the cross. He says, With desire I have desired to eat this Pasch with you, to establish the Mass and the Blessed Sacrament before I suffer. But it was all one connected thing. You know, our Lord started our redemption on that moment when he said the first Mass, and that continued on until the moment he died on the cross. The Eucharist is uh, irrevocably connected to the cross. That's something that you cannot separate. It has to be confected in the renewal of the sacrifice of the cross in the Mass. And it's all there. And, and the reason why this is some, something that should uh, move us to great love is to think the price of this gift was the sufferings of the cross. In order for our, soul, our, our Lord to give himself to me in this way, he had to suffer that. That was the price. And so, you know, if your, if your father comes and gives you a car and you know that that costs him nothing, well, you appreciate it, but, you know, it costs him nothing. But if you know that his father's, your father spent all his money to give you this car and he was left with nothing, you would, you would not be able to even take it, perhaps. And so when we take the Most Holy Eucharist, we must remember, what was the price of this? He had to die on the cross to give it to me. Desiderio desideravi. With the greatest, the utmost desire, he willed to give himself to me in this way. And therefore, I ought to correspond. That is our quote of scripture for today. Now let's go and finish our episode by talking about visits to the Blessed Sacrament. When it comes to the visits uh, that we ought to do to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, I would say we should try to do it at least once a day if you have the possibility of attending to a church. And if you don't, try to do it at least spiritually. I'm going to make a silly comparison here. Uh, but think of this, you know, during your day, you go and you have your main meal. And some people, at the end of the day, they have a little snack that kind of carries them on through the day. And it's a nice ending of their day. You know, it's kind of like a little reward that they give themselves for their work day. Well, think of this visit to the Blessed Sacrament as your little, with all due respect I say it, your little spiritual snack. Something that gets you through the day, that it's a good ending to your day and that keeps you in that spiritual level. In the morning you've gone to receive your main meal, you could say you're, you're, you received our Lord in the Holy Eucharist and that gives you strength for the day. But maybe at the end of the day, worldly things creep in, you know, there is the temptation to go and watch TV or listen to music or things that are worldly. I'm not saying that all those things are bad necessarily, but you know, things that might separate you from our Lord, that make you forget about Him. And so, in order to strengthen you further, you go and you make your visit to the Blessed Sacrament, even if it's a very short one, and that keeps you in a good spiritual level and you're able to continue till the next day. The visits to the Blessed Sacrament are actually much more important than we think. They're important for two reasons. The first one, because as I mentioned, it actually helps you to keep the recollection of the day. But the second one is because it also helps you to fight temptations. Oftentimes, our temptations come at the later part of our day, afternoon. You know, they, there is a part in the Bible, Bible that speaks of the demonio meridianum, the devil of noon. And that's because afternoon we're tired. You know, there are things that, that uh, we're prone to do. You know, we're prone to laziness. And with that comes a lot more other things. And so in order to fight those temptations, it is very useful at the second part of your day 
to go visit our Lord, to remember him, to put yourself in his presence. I will say that if, uh, as I said uh, just a few moments ago, if you're not able to go physically, which I understand there's a lot of people that don't live near the church, or the church might be closed, well then try to do it spiritually. Maybe go to your car, close your eyes, and send your soul to be in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I'm not saying that your soul goes there physically, or what I'm saying is that you can spiritually make that visit, and pretend that you're there and keep coming to our Lord, He is God, He knows that you're doing it, He can see you, and you spend some time in there just visiting Him. And that's, that's very great. That's very good and it gives you a lot of good fruit. I do want to give you a couple tips before we go. In this visit to the Blessed Sacrament, when you're able to go to the church, don't be shy, don't go and kneel in the last pew. Go and kneel all the way up to the communion rail. Like all the way up. Go and see him, talk to him. You love him. So go and kneel as close as you can. Look at the tabernacle. Don't go there necessarily to recite prayers. You can if you want. But go there rather to talk to him from the heart, to listen to him, focus on his presence, on that act of faith that he is there. Your visit cannot doesn't have to be a long time, but it should be at least a decent time. You know, three, five minutes at least. And if you do it with that loving care and you go all the way up to the front you will notice a difference you will definitely notice a difference now although with the visits you're not going to receive the same benefits that you receive from communion but you receive something like that at least in a lesser degree of course a much lesser degree but you receive some of those benefits at least uh, the con the same concept of them i have to tell you the story of this priest that i know and i've no i've always noticed this priest to be very supernatural you know very meek he's very humble uh, there is something about him that just gives you a lot of respect and this is funny because I you can know nothing of this priest but as when you go and talk to him something inspires you with great respect one day I was talking to him he's older and he doesn't have you know I think he doesn't have a very large parish but I was talking to him and, and he was telling me of how he spends a lot of his day and it came out that he spends four hours in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day. When I heard that, I understood what I was seeing in him. It was the effect of all that time that he was spending in front of our Lord. There is an effect to that. My dear friends, we have to conclude this episode. And with this episode, we have to conclude our season on the spiritual life. At some point, we might have another one. But for now, we have to settle with this while we work on other projects. To finish our episode then today, let's try to have that strong devotion to the Most Holy Sacrament. Try to get as much benefit as you can from it, especially the benefit of increasing your union with God and growing in the love of God and also the love of our Blessed Mother. I am your host, Father Carlos Cepeda, for The Spiritual Life, and you're listening to The Catholic Wire. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.